previously with the Liberators. Finally, the one on the right, and he says to you, Forgiveness. And the one on your left, he says, Retribution. And then the one in the middle, standing right in front of you, he says, Just ignore us. I step over where the line was to the man on the right and say forgiveness. Ignis, you see a banner for the Iron Vigil. It's hard to tell what's happening exactly, whether they're being attacked or if they are attacking. Now off to your left, there is another group, a smaller group, and you recognize the members of that smaller group to be the people that you traveled to this lake with, the Liberators. And all you know is that they are attacking each other. I feel like I'd want to try and stop the fighting somehow, but not quite sure how to do that. I can't take this anymore. I just want to go back. I don't want to do this anymore. <clears throat> Landis, did you have a vision in there too? I saw my mother again. Like you, I can't seem to shake her no matter where I go, what I do. Her image, her memory is always there. Guyaka, do you know the name Arden? He was a, he was a, a friend of of mine back when I was just part of um, Bellator's brigands, and the last that I had heard about him was that he was he was living in um, Tyakos. Is he is he giving you trouble? Well, only giving me enough trouble to not, well, to avoid home in a sense. It may be a conflict I'm not ready to encounter yet. Yeah, there was, uh, there was some commotion going on in this tavern. You're not really sure what was going on, but you hear there's one guy who is... The, you're, the gist that you're getting of this is that someone was scheduled to play at this inn, which I was describing as the Courtyard Marriott of Fantasy World, right? So it's like multi-tiered. You have like this bit... There's literally a courtyard like in the in the building, right? With the, the rooms tiered all around. You, it's probably about five stories tall. Huge open area. And in the bottom floor where you guys are is the like play space for bards or theater troops or whoever happens to be coming through town. And there's a, a little balding human man who's standing up on the raised uh, dais of a stage trying to quiet the crowd. There's a huge crowd, and a lot of people are shouting the name, uh, Nick Bean, Nick Bean, we want to see Nick Bean. And you guys don't really, maybe you know who that, uh, roll history. Everyone roll history. Dang, I know my history. I lagged it. <laughs> yeah, I think Roran, Gob, and Medusa definitely know. And maybe Ignis has some idea of who this Nick Bean person is, but like... <laughs> the, Person? <laughs> bean? Some some kind of a kidney bean or something? Uh, but yeah, Roran, Gob, and Medusa are v acutely aware of Nick Bean, the, the famous bard tuber, who is uh, famous for his, his pranks and hilarious songs that he plays. And apparently he was scheduled to play here tonight and has stood up in owners. I don't know what you want to call that. The crowd's starting to get a little restless. And you can see there is an exit to your left. The crowd is right directly in front of you. Nobody seems to have noticed that you guys have all like portaled in here. Um, or if they did, it didn't concern them very much. So you don't you don't have anyone's attention. What would you guys like to do? I'd like to get a drink. Yeah, what kind of drinks do they serve at this tavern? I think Landis would go to the barkeep and um, ask him where the Primarch is at <laughs> and tell the barkeep if there's a runner to... Let the runner know that uh, Landis is looking for the Primarch. Landis goes and tells the, the barkeep about the Primarch, and his eyes go wide, and he's like, uh, keep, your, keep your voice down. Keep your voice down. 
Um, and as far as drinks go, it's a pretty standard selection of there, there's none of the weird like eel pops you had down in the underdark. It's a pretty standard selection of beers. Roaring pays for the biggest ale drink. Okay, describe this. Okay, describe this one to me. I'm curious to know what you think is a big drink for Roran. Well, all I have really is like a 32 ounce. Does it come in a cowboy boot? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Big old glass cowboy boot. Um, and Roran, Roran is slightly disappointed. It's only 32 ounces. So the bar, the barkeep motions for Landis to like step away. He 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 doles out the drinks for everyone else and then motions to his co-worker that he's going to take he's going to step away for a moment and uh, takes landis aside and he's like you have to be careful about talking about the primarch we just had a group of people in here not that long ago tasked with fighting the primarch there's people who want that man what's your business uh do you remember their names or sure they were they were regulars here in fact one of them was he's supposed to be playing right now i don't know if you've ever heard of the famous bard tuber nick veen but he's supposed to be here yes nick veen who's that (laughs) he's the famous bard tuber as i've just said comedy musician prankster yes well, if he's uh, missing, do you think that this is probably one of his pranks? I, honestly, that seems the most likely. Because he was in here not ten hours ago, assuring us that he would be here tonight. And just making absolutely certain that we knew he was really into this. So it's quite a classic setup, really, if you ask me. I, I enjoyed watching his prankster things, his prankster shenanigans back in the day. And right now I'm just a little, little bit peeved, you know? Just a little bit. Just a little teed off. So so tell me, if you are looking for the Primarch, then he's, he's addressing Landis directly. And he's like, if you're looking for the Primarch, then, and they're looking for the Primarch. And maybe they found the Primarch, and that's why they're not here. I don't really know. But what do you? What? What's your? What's your business? What's your deal, man? You have to be careful how loudly you talk about that, because if Grieve walks in and hears you talking about that, I can guarantee it's not going to end well. Uh, as long as you tell him that uh, Landis H. Oberon is the one looking for him, uh, there won't be any 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 problems. Nothing specific that I'm I'm here for him, and I'm not. I mean, nobody of no harm or consequence but i tell you if you tell him who i am and that i'm looking for him he'll uh, want to see me i can't promise you anything but i'll keep my ears open and my eyes peeled don't know i don't have a lot of contacts with them i suspect the primarch owns this establishment but i don't know for sure are there any high-ranking military officials around that i can speak as you say that uh the front door crashes open uh and the large crowd falls silent inside of here so the door crashes open and two individuals step through one of them is just a human man wearing the the symbol for the high oran uh lawman and the other man is much larger wearing big billowing red robes and he has piercingly bright green eyes uh and as they move into the light of the of the inn you can see that he's a very beefy warforged man um the the lawman speaks up uh he introduces himself as uh, law captain renault de Moo. um and he he starts with a spiel he's like anyone with information on the so-called adventure capitalists namely bazakar latesh thedwin durai and bartuba nick bean really that's his name he like turns to the the warforge who just kind of shrugs. He's like, "Please step forward with any information. You will be rewarded." 
They cannot be allowed to escape. They are fugitives of the law in this city. They have been seen with a fourth individual recently, and we need all of them for questioning. Does anyone have any information? And Grieve is... Or excuse me, the... <laughs> you guys don't know his name yet. <laughs> I know his name. He, his eyes are sweeping the crowd. For a moment, his eyes pass over you guys, and he sort of like thumps... Uh, Renault Demu on the chest as he like like moves forward very quickly towards you guys. And he's like, Latesh, stay there, stay right there. And he's moving towards you specifically, Korak. He's moving towards you. I like see him approach, and I like, I guess this. What'd you say, Roran? Thirty-two hours. Yes. I try to like, assuming I'm gonna get dragged away from this, I try to get the thirty-two ounces in real quick. Hey. Oh, sorry, not yours, mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I definitely ordered a drink. Has he come at us aggressively, or more like to ask us a question? What? Make an insight check. I'm studying this guy as he comes at us. Like, as this guy's just, like, bellowing towards us, I'm like, Gob, Gob, tell me what you're thinking. I think Roran and Medusa, you guys definitely, like, this guy looks like he's ready for a fight. I think Ignis probably thinks he's gearing for a fight, too. Landis and Korak, I think you guys are looking at him approaching, and you're not really sure because it could go either way. Like, he's moving quickly and with a purpose, but he doesn't look like he's spoiling for a fight. And Gob, you're pretty sure that he... He's not, he doesn't look like he's entirely sure of what he's seeing as he approaches you. But he's not, like, ready to fight us. He doesn't have a hand on a sword or anything. No, no weapons are out. I'll kind of stick my hand out to the rest of the guys to kind of stow their weapons for a second, too, so no one does anything crazy, especially Landis. I just kind of roll my eyes at uh, Korak and Gob, like, oh, is this about what's going to go down? I'm using Frumpkin just to look around because I'm blindfolded and don't want to stone anyone. So this uh, this Warforged man stops in front of um, Korak as Korak has his head thrown back, downing this 32 ounces of beer very quickly. And uh, and he crosses his arms and he and he stands in front of Korak and he and he's like waiting. And then when Korak finally puts the glass down, <laughs> literally like tapping his foot. Can I can I roll to see how quickly I down this, or do I just embarrass myself? I think it all goes down very smoothly. Okay, so come on. <sighs> Hello, my friend. How can I help you? Uh, his his uh, glowing uh, green eyes kind of widen a little bit, and and there's like this this uh, bit of body language to him, uh, specifically Gob. Especially, you can see that he he realizes he's made a mistake, and he's like, "I'm I'm very sorry. I mistook you for." Someone else. One of the individuals I'm looking for, Bazakar Latesh, he's also a tiefling, and I uh, don't mean to profile you. That's racist. Yes, a little, a little bit. I admit, we don't get a lot of tieflings around here, so you might, you may understand my suspicion. Did you just attack him for that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just kidding. Um. Was he, is he wearing anything that it sounded like you you said they were wearing something that like kind of like denotes rank or this guy? Yeah, uh, he's wearing billowing uh, red cloaks. If you're looking at him, roll religion for me. Landis and Roran, you guys recognize the the small. It's very small embroidery on this billowing cloak that he's wearing, uh, but you recognize the symbol as belonging to the Shrike Temple. Kill him. <laughs> I guess I would I would just kind of like reach forward and just like just kind of like place my hand on his shoulder like not not hard but also not softly see if I can move him a little bit from my seeing position just like kind of like a friendly kind of shake well if you don't see that many tieflings in here I uh, I can understand your suspicions but uh 
What exactly did this tiefling do to uh, create such a discerning attitude? The other human steps up as you're asking this question, uh, Demu, and he's like, he's on the run from the law. We He's wanted in relation to the assassination of Helena Marantine. Well, I will say all of you guys would recon- recognize the, the last name Amarantine as belonging to Axel. Sorry, to who? That's uh, Axel's family name is Amarantine. Oh! I think those those would denote that you guys know that it pretty much immediately. The the Amarantines are very much a very industrious family. They're very wealthy, very well-known, and very well-respected throughout the world. And who got assassinated? Was that like the Axel's mother or something? Or? Helena Amarantine is not a name that you recognize immediately, but you do you recognize the the last name. But because it's not like one that you recognize right off the bat, you you probably it's probably not Axel's parents. Did we know Axel's kind of his family? Did we know his last name? Did he share that with us? Was he from Taiwan? Uh, Gob and him were actually from the same town, Tuxin Kara. So I kind of knew of them in my childhood. Gob absolutely would know. The Amarantine family in Toxendar, they're hugely um, well-respected. Listen, if you have any information about these adventure capitalists, we would very much appreciate their apprehension. We'd prefer to do it bloodlessly. They've shown that they can be pretty violent, so we're just trying to make sure that everyone gets their just desserts. Never heard of them. If you come up with any information, you can find me at the law offices. My associate here, Grieve, he will, he's going to return to the Shrike's Temple and try to maintain order there. I urge any of you with information to please come forward. And they turn and leave. Unless you guys have anything else you want to say to him. Roran is just uncomfortable and trying not to stir any conflict at this point. But also a little visibly shaking with both drunkenness and anger. You alright there, Roran? I'm fine. Did everyone come with us in the portal? Yep, including Ixis. Is she reacting at all to any of this? Um, she's actually sitting at a nearby table. She took a seat. She uh, looks like she's pretty worn out. I might find, like, I don't know, just some random napkin or something in the bar and start writing on it, asking her, like, do you know who it is? We're in a, we're in a pretty big city. Do you think there's anyone we could find here who could help you? Have you been in this situation before? Like, like I don't necessarily know who we should go to, but is there, like, somebody we can approach to ask about like hey is this like an alchemist solution or something else we can deal with for her to help her get her voice back medusa hands candoros some parchment and an ink pen i finished writing on a napkin and then you hand me that and it's like she can hear us though right okay i like obviously forget that and then turn it over so she could write on it while you guys are kind of sorting that out i want everyone to make perception checks i do think korak and gob Excuse me, Korap. Korap, really? Did I just say that? <laughs> Korap. Wow. Roran, Korak, and Landis. You guys notice uh, as three figures clad in white robes with their hoods up sit down at the table with you. They come up from behind. Wait, with us? Yeah, with you. I kind of like like one arm kind of raised up and you're looking over your shoulder going, what the f-? Yeah, they sit between Landis on both sides and then the other one across the table from him. And then they all motion for you guys to lean in. Roran leans in. It's very good, very good to see you all back. If you don't mind, we really need to take Landis to see the Primarch. This is a, a trying time for us to be here, this visible right now. We need to take Landis and go. And if we could, the Primarch has a job for you. Insight check. 
And Roran is still drunk. I, I think all of you except for Roran, you, you guys are actually able to see uh, the little pins that they have on their lapels that denote the, the like the Primarchs. That you guys had seen that symbol a bunch when you were in Harp Cry. Like, you know that that is the symbol for the Primarch. Can I get a, a quick recap what I missed? I had to put the kids back to bed. We sent away, or, you know, Demu and uh, the Warforge Greaves? Uh, uh, just just Grieve, no S, but yeah. Oh, Grieve. And just asked us, you know, if you know of any of these derives or French capitalists, let us know. Do you have any information? And no, we did not give them information. And then they left. And now these wizardy dudes just mysteriously showed up all of a sudden. And uh, they said they need to take Landis to the Primark. And uh, I don't trust them. Everybody else trusts them. I don't. So Roran said this all out loud at the bar. Right? <laughs> he's like recapping because he's so drunk. Roran, I just, Roran's I just still spit drunk. water on my mic. <laughs> <laughs> so are we all going with these wizards? Or are they trying to take Landis by himself? Seems legit. I think I would kind of follow Landis's lead in this situation since they're saying they're going to take us to the Primark. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. We're not taking you to see the Primark. We're taking Landis. We need you to go do some investigation for us. We're kind of investigating. The the fourth uh, individual who was seen with the adventure capitalist. You remember the the Warforged was was saying something about that. That's someone that we very much need to get back in contact with. He's one of our operatives. He was working inside the Shrike's Temple. He had been captured, we think, and we believe that the adventure capitalist helped get him out. And we don't know where they took him from there. We need you to go find him if you can. Do you have any leads? The last place that any of them were seen was towards the temple. Oh, what are we going to get out of All three of them smile and, like, give each other looks, and they're like, the Primarch said that you might ask about that, Korak. And they pull out some big shiny sacks of gold. Kind of look towards the party. It's like, well, uh, I'm good. Can we tell how much that is? I think Roran and Ignis would estimate that to be more about uh, 15,000 gold in the three different sacks that they have brought, so about 5,000 per sack. Like, this is this is mostly just a gift from the Primarch to you, because he knows, he knows that he's giving you an inconvenience, but we really, really need to find anything out about this guy that we can, and we have people looking for him. You can have this anyway as payment right now, regardless of if you find him or not, but we really need some eyes in the field, and... The Primarch assured us that you would be more than willing to help. And I don't want to call him a liar, but, you know, if you don't help, then... <laughs> Rowan asked him, what's the, uh... Do you have any idea what's the status of the Shrike's Temple? Is it being manned? Is still there? I mean... Is the cultists still have activities there? Oh, oh, gods, yes, of course. It's their main base of operations. So, although it's it's supposed to appear strictly religious... Their field operatives are, of course, all around the world. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I like Trump <laughs> Trump Horn is awesome. Do you have information on why your your missing person went there? He was doing some investigation for the Primarch inside of the temple, trying to gauge where the temple was at as far as their, as you say, their status, right? Trying to figure out how how ready they would be for an assault if it came down to that, and how maybe if there's any people who might be sympathetic to the Primarch's cause. 
Uh, why is he... Was the Primarch planning on assaulting the temple? Just uh, keeping his options open is what he told us. I, I kind of want to point out, you guys sort of had this conversation with uh, Doc in his tent where he talked about how he wasn't sure how to approach the Shrike's temple. Yeah, what, what was the background on that? Is there is there some kind of, like, like why is he interested in keeping tabs on them? Like, I can't remember. Because they got money and power. The way that he made it seem to you guys is that he was trying to find the best way to use them either for, like, their, their resources for your cause or to try to find a way to use their own power against them. And what does the Primarch actually, what does he rule over? He's been buying up he basically runs Hyroron as the city knows it. He's been buying up and leveraging his power to take over the city and for their own good. But he's been using it, at, he's been doing it under many disguises, as you guys would assume. Was the Strikes Temple more or less in control of Hyroron up to this point? And that's why they're kind of. That's why they wanted to find him, yes. Yeah, if I remember correctly, the Strikes Temple. Uh, approached Doc to do some work for them and that was kind of his in, so to speak, to double cross them. Because they have some stuff going on, obviously, on the Bay of Shrike. God would kind of make his way over to Landis and see what Landis thinks. So are you thinking you're going to go with them or are you going to help us out here first and then try to find them? Or what are you thinking, buddy? Uh, no, I'll go with them and sure, Doc's got a plan and he'll be able to get it. A message to you guys but I think I'm gonna go with them and if you guys want to go do some investigating over there if you need help I'm sure we'll figure something out to get you guys some more resources the the three roped men are nodding as Landis is saying this and they're like time is of the essence we will send someone to replace Landis in your party um, someone who knows how to fight we hope anyway and then as he says we hope he kind of like grimaces he's like shouldn't have said that I should not have said that. I will say Roran is visibly uncomfortable. Do you think Roran took a detour? I know we were going to go northeast from here, but let's head towards the Strikes Temple, make some money, and help out Doc. He'll scratch our back. Uh, if we live... That's a good point. Well, we are just investigating. It's not like we have to fight the entire Shrike Temple or anything. Just get some information, that's all, right? Yeah, not the entire Shrike Temple. Yeah, but also, it's not exactly that I'm on their good list, so we kind of need a plan to figure out how to make sure I am not known if we just walk up to their doors. Uh, yeah, actually, that's a good point. Gob, do you think you could help us out? Because I was just, like, seen from across the bar and almost just got, like, shoulder-checked by a Warforge for being a tiefling. If they're looking for a tiefling, it's probably going to be a pain in the ass for everyone if I'm just out there investigating. Yeah, I can make you guys look different if you want. Um, you name it, I guess. If you change your colors or change look altogether. But um, yeah, I think we're all not really on the Shrike's good list, so to say. So it'd probably be good for all of us to either stay undercover or change our looks or something. So yeah, I say we go ahead and take this investigation job. The gold could be pretty useful. And Gob will grab another one of the bags. I'm just watching these gold bags move away from me and just like slowly <laughs> I'm amazed that, that Korak has let it go on the table for so long. Does anyone in the party actually even need any more gold? I would love some more. I, to be fair, I don't think I've really been in this situation since the last time we talked to a traveling Khajiit who sells us stuff.
Oh yeah, Guster, right? He's on the ship, I think. Oh, Guster with Hari. He was trying to get a hold of us, wasn't he? Right. Maybe we should visit him before we go into uh, this mission. I have some stuff I want to put on Galley anyways. I'm still carrying around that old armor of Osiris and stuff. So Yeah, they're giving us like a 30000 down payment just for going over there. Let's call Galley over here and hit the shop. Sounds like a great plan to me. Vroin pulls out the radio com, whatever it is. Hey, Galley. Where's your where's your location? Oh, hey man, we're just like we're flying right over the Taiko to sea right now. We're just passing by Windbluff. Yeah. Give me a ETA uh coming to Hyoron. Hyoron. Uh yeah, I'll probably be there by like midday tomorrow, man. Do you need me to meet you somewhere else? Are you going somewhere else? You want me to come pick you up? Can we wait that long, guys? Wait, where are we heading? Maybe you can meet us along the way. <laughs> Could. Probably just travel wondered. faster than us. Galley, are you going as fast as you can? Oh, heck yeah, man. I always go. I have one speed. It's either. Well, actually, I have two speeds. It's not at all. And full <laughs> more, baby. Galley at some point is going to turn from Morty to um, Chris Farley, motivational speaker. Should we just tell him to come to Hyawan as fast as he can and just wait for us here? Or between Hyawan and the temple? Is there any notable spots between Hyawan and the Shrike's temple that he could just kind of post up? I didn't really put in a lot of detail there. There's like some way stops and things. Would any of us know what kind of a what kind of a travel that's going to be like for us on foot? It's like a six hour no no sorry like a four hour cart ride with with two horses and a cart um, from Hyoran to the Shrikes Temple. So you could probably make it all the way to the temple if that's where you're going in like six to eight hours of uh hiking and what time is it midday or is it evening or morning or it's like evening right now it's times of the essence but i wonder if we should just post up and wait for galley i want to ask the strangers you know do they advise us to leave now under cover of night or can we just post up for the night here and leave in the morning they kind of they look at each other and they're like well time time is of the essence but if Jeffrey is out there, then I suppose he's not going to be going anywhere. You probably should get a good night's sleep. We do need to take Landis now. And actually, with that, they're going to excuse themselves. And they're like, whatever you can do for us, we're not asking you to complete this. If you, can't, if you, if you look and you can't find him, then you can't do it. And all we're asking for is your help. And they, they give you guys very respectful bows. And, and then they leave the tavern but like you don't really see them leave because they look like they're going for the front door and then the next time that you look um they're gone but the doors are like still shut. Landis is gone with them? Yes. Okay. Bye Landis. Well, it sounds like we probably need a plan for tomorrow. How about I get us another round and we figure out either what we want to disguise ourselves as or how we're going to try to get in. We're trying to get in the temple, right? Uh they did not say in the temple. They did say that he had last been in the temple, but was seen with the adventure capitalist outside of it in an escape. Sorry, what's his name again? They called him Jeffrey just now. We're staying at this tavern for the night. There's a there's a really awkward uh, dwarf who's like up on the stage now trying to sing karaoke to replace the, the loss of Nick Bean. What does he sound like? We didn't start the fire! <laughs> well, I can make us look like Strike Templists, but we don't have any, you know, credentials or anything to back that up. Well, do we? It doesn't sound like we actually need to go into the temple, huh? We can probably just get around it or the area leading up to it, or do we get kind of like specifics on where we think this dude might be? 
I had tried to uh, make a trail of breadcrumbs that Thaduin has a cousin who used to live in the town of Raknash. You know that Thaduin Durai was part of these adventure capitalists who just recently escaped from the Shrike Temple. The Shrike Temple is right here. Raknash is right here. So likely you'll find uh, them somewhere. Okay, in here. it's probably where they would be. That's where I would suggest you guys start looking. And I think probably the uh, the Primarchs people would have too. That's what they're implying. Is that area? Okay, I kept looking at the road. Um, well, in that case, Gob, probably just some robes of the Shrikes Temple just to obscure us, just so if people see us, they won't bother us, kind of thing. Last eight hours, so I'll do that. You know, when we're getting getting close tomorrow. Eight hours of disguise. Then yeah, I guess the only thing left to do tonight is finish these these ales. And I raise my glass to the table. Cheers. Right, the gold. I, the bag I took, I'll kind of divvy up the share to everybody. Because how many bags were there? There was three. And there's what five of us or something. I might actually probably have those two drinks and then order a third and then walk over and try to encourage the dwarf who's belting it. Mm-hmm. For the sake of brevity, I think nothing happens in the night. I think you guys have a good restful night on some nice down beds that Mr. Webby isn't around to stab in the morning. I like PTSD wake up afraid that Webby's going to stab my bed and I remember he's dead. <laughs> so we decided to meet with Gally before we left, right? Hey Gally, what's your ETA? Alright, you guys wake up in the morning, you ask Gally, what's your ETA? And he's like, Oh, yeah, man, we're almost there. I can see it in the distance. I guess, uh, I don't know. I guess, do we want to, like, meet him outside the city or outside the walls? Let's just meet him outside the city gates. Hey, Gally, we're going to be outside uh, the city gates. Yeah, hell yeah, man. I'll meet you there. Yeah, you guys get outside the gates. It's pretty... Oh, wait, do we decide uh, hiking or cart? Either a cart or or maybe a a flying ship? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's just take our ship. Let's just take flying ship. Let's not be let's normal. Not be normal. <laughs> I, I was like, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that was a cool addition, Asa. We're gonna take the cart. <laughs> it's pretty busy outside the main, uh, or rather, the northwestern gate. And as Galley swoops in, just everybody's heads like turn and watch this thing fly in, and everyone's pointing. It's cre- creating quite a spectacle. And he lands, and he's like, uh, now that he's here and not speaking over the Stones of Far speech, it's like, Hey guys, what's going on? Get on board. <laughs> I remember I've got a guest. One guy from the Mantle of Light in Cloudhenge. And then a big cat guy who likes to sell things, I think. Um, listen up, guys. Uh, this... <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> Listen up, everybody. That guy from Cloudhenge really needs to talk to Ignis about something. He has a letter for him. Please, Ignis, do what he's saying. Ignis, <laughs> yeah, and like every everybody in everybody in the city can probably hear Galia. Now all of China knows we're here. <laughs> Also, I think the guy from Cloud Edge has something to tell the rest of you, but I'm not sure. He was being really cryptic about what it was, and he wouldn't tell me, and I don't know why. Gally, we'll we'll board you. (laughs) Just shut up. Oh, yeah, get the hell on, bros! (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay, so you guys board Gally, and um, you don't see anyone immediately as you get onto the ship, and you're able to, like... Get to your rooms and put your stuff away and kind of get settled. 
Now, I do, in the meta, for you guys, I want you all to know that I did design Galley as being, like, your mobile base. So, feel free to store your things here, please. Now, we each have our own little, like, room in Galley, right? A little place for ourselves? Yes, that is correct. I'm going to drop off some stuff that I've been carrying around, like that armor that I've been carrying around. It's probably heavy. And any books I've collected from the Under, under Dark. I'll put those in my, my library collection in my room. Has Gob just been traveling around with rolling suitcases this whole time basically yeah <laughs> yeah at some point when i have time i want to do some i don't know what it'd be studies on that stuff i got but i don't know i don't know when that'd be if we have time on galley a couple hours or something but okay uh hey galley so what information do you have from the the guy from cloudhead did, did tally have quarters on the uh, galley uh no, cause you guys had met up with her after you had like received the ship. Oh jeez, I would yeah, I'd, I'd probably feel obliged to go to Webby's quarters and just kind of sort through stuff. There's a bunch of rotted seagull carcasses in here. <laughs> I would I would approach the door with good intent. I'd open it and barely get a small. I'm like, never mind, just shut the door. So did you guys say that you were trying to meet up with a guy from the Mantle of Light? Yeah, or <coughs> um, Guster, whoever's free. Um, okay, so you, you meet up with him. He he comes out after, like, he's given you an appropriate amount of time to gather, you know, gather your thoughts and, like, settle in and everything. Um, and, and he's, so he's a, uh, he's got dark, it's really dark red, almost black uh, skin. He's a tiefling. And he's wearing these really nice robes of green, like a kind of a light green and blue-white colors with some, with some red uh, emblazoning. Uh, and, and he gathers you all together, and he's like, Thank you for hosting me on your ship. My name is Raxus Kor. I work for the Mantle of Light. I have some distressing information for all of you. Now, I don't know what your current relation is with this individual calling themselves the Primarch, but we have intelligence that tells us that he may be a doppelganger. This may be shocking to hear. Korak laughs out loud. Okay, well... <laughs> that's not the reaction I had been expecting, but all right. I don't know if you all know the nature of doppelgangers, but ten they tend to not be the greatest group of <laughs> I think I love individuals. <laughs> that's racist. Man, this entire like, episode is full of rape. I'm like I'm like banging on whatever table is near me as I'm laughing and wiping away tears. He's he's getting visu- like visibly flustered, <laughs> and I'm like, "You're so right! You're so right!" <laughs> Are you you all you're all aware of this then, or what? I don't understand. Listen, to know the Primarch is to partially not like the Primarch, but just kind of deal with them. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like motioning towards the party, like, "Come on, come on, come on, come on!" I just want mostly just want to make sure you're all informed, not attempting to sway your opinion one way or the other it's just some information that we came across in our own investigation into this individual i thought since you had a meeting with him about a week ago it might be relevant to you to know this information if he's trying to manipulate you into doing something for him or it's possible he's already taken over someone in your group your your organization thought it was necessary for you to be here in person to tell us that we operate with air gaps for our intelligence. Sending something like this over a magical spell or a pigeon carrier is not feasible 
This information is very sensitive, and we don't want to spread a panic, especially given how much power the, this Primarch seems to have. How do we know you're not a doppelganger? Or should I call you Primarch? It's not really... No. No. With your insight checks, you can tell that this guy is... He's telling the truth, uh, as far as you're concerned. Korak may be suspicious of him. Medusa may be suspicious of him. I don't, I don't know. Take that how you will. He does not appear to be lying. Partially accusing him and partially asking honestly, like, how do we tell, you know, with doppelgangers out there and he doesn't trust doppelgangers? How do we tell he's not a doppelganger or anyone, anyone else for that matter? Do you have any kind of spells to detect magic? Their, their ability to change is inherently magical. Well, I don't come checking everybody that I come in contact with. Um, so he's he's got some magical items on him. You get some pulses of magic, especially like from Galley, and and like the spell that Malachi had put on Galley to make him f- like an airship. But there's no there's no magic on him that you would denote him being a shapeshifter doppelganger. Um, and then he's gonna turn to Ignis. He looks at he looks at you, Ignis, and he's like, "I know I'm not." From your old brotherhood, I believe you were part of the uh, Bellator's brigands. Is that correct? Is that what they were calling themselves back back before the the Shrike? Yes, that was the group that I originated from. Well, I I don't know. First of all, I want to extend to you my sincerest condolences. I heard that your old lieutenant Tali Voss was uh, was killed recently. Yes. Yeah. I- it's a shame. I, I knew her briefly. She was she was always kind. Now, I, I'm not part of your brotherhood, but I bring to you a message from Commander Skybreaker of the Iron Vigil, formerly Bellator's Brigands. All right. Uh, can I have the message? Yeah. So he, he, hands, he hands you a piece of paper. I actually don't have anything typed up, anything specific. Um, but basically, this letter says uh, uh, to Ignis. Hang on. Let me see if I can do his voice. <clears throat> to Ignis, I am very sorry to hear about your old, your lieutenant Talibas. I'd like to see if you'd still be interested in staying with the Iron Vigil. We extend to you the opportunity to join us, or we can extend the mercy of Iron, whichever you prefer. If at all possible, I would like to meet with you. Maybe not now, maybe someday soon, whenever you feel ready. We would like to have you back, if possible. I need your help. I need to make contact with the Stoneburner clan in the continent of Dilge. I believe they have a family head in the rift city of Perlandra. We would like to go to provide humanitarian assistance to all the cities that suffered from the tidal wave that originated from the Shigoda Sea, devastating Galbadia, Toksandar, Telandri, and in some parts, the city of Zikatron. While out there for humanitarian reasons, I need to make contact with the Stoneburner clan and receive their pledge. They have something that I need and they owe me a favor of sorts. Let me know how you feel about this. You can find my people if you look for them. By the people, Tyrek Skybreaker, commander of the Iron Vigil. Do you have any questions? Uh, this is um, Raxus speaking. Do you have any questions for me, Sergeant Ignis? I mean, I don't think I have any questions at the time. I think I'll just have to uh, review the letter, think about my options. Take as much time as you need. We will be around if you need to get in contact with any of us. Um, and he actually um, touches his stone of far speech to yours, and he says, uh, that's now attenuated to my frequency if you need to get a hold of me. 
Raxus is going to look at you guys and he's like, uh, if possible, I can get off wherever you need me to get off. I actually would like to stop off here at High Oron, so I, I will get off at the next stop. Yeah, make yourself at home until then. He has already made himself much at home. You guys turn around, and there is a tabaxi. Guster? Merchant. Yes, hello, Master Gob. How are you today? It's been quite a journey, but it's good to see you again. Guster is most pleased to see you. All right, Guster, what do you got for us today? Did you have information for us too, Guster, or did you just have new stuff for us to buy? Yes, Guster has many fine wares. Take a look. And let's see. So here we've got um, the plate armor of acid resistance. That armor looks a bit heavy. Do you have any robes or anything? Oh, yes. Guster has a robe for you, Master Gob. The robe of stars. And he pulls out this this cloak that looks like the, the night sky. Gob, I have received word from the afterlife. And usually when a man in my position says that, they are, what would you call them? Charlatans, I have spoken to Oral, your father. He has invested this robe with the ability to visit him. And basically what that means is when you wear the robe, you can use an action to enter the astral plane along with everything you're wearing and carrying and you remain there until you use an action to return to the plane that you were on. And it gives you a plus one bonus to saving throws while you're wearing it. Now these, these stars I see around the neck, do they have any powers of themselves? There are, there are six stars, and every time that you like to put one out, you take one off and you can cast Magic Missile. It's the most delicious spell at level five. I'll take it. How much is it? Well, the player's handbook says 60,000 gold. <laughs> Jeez. But because this was a gift from your father, I will give it away for 15,000. Can I do a payment plan? Yes, that that will work. I will remain on the ship until you have paid. Guster, I also have a, a question for you. First of all, thanks for this. I have come across these two rings, and I was wondering if you can tell me if you recognize what sort of magical powers they may hold within them. And I show him the the ruby ring and the obsidian ring that I got from Zanatha. He identifies the obsidian one as a ring of evasion, uh, which is a ring that has three charges... When you fail a dexterity saving throw while you're wearing it, you can use your reaction to expend a charge and succeed on that throw. Do you recognize this ruby one? This one is not as fun. This is a ring of swimming that makes you swim like a very fast fish <laughs> in the water. <laughs> Gives you a swimming speed of 40 feet. Guster, these do mean a lot to me because they belong to my mother. Would you be willing to take them as payment for the robes and this opportunity to see my father? Oh, yes, absolutely. I will take these as payment for 7000 Oh, Korak, we were asking if uh, you possibly had the uh, Displacer Beast cloak. Here, I have all of Webby's possessions. Yeah, I do have the Displacer cloak. That is a beautiful cloak. It looks like a cat. Guster, my man. Uh, what you got for your boy, Korak? Yes, hello, Korak. It's good to see you. Do you have wanting of these goggles of night? Or this armor of acid resistance? Or this scroll of, of plant growth? I must have missed the goggles. I had not talked about the goggles. I oh, have just, okay. I have just seen it on my generator. No, my dark vision's been pretty okay. Um, I'm not going to be much help to the party if I'm running around in heavy armor. Is there anything else you got on the 
the lighter side of armor, or...? You want light armor? I have light armor somewhere in here. You're sure that you want a light armor and you don't want this? The heck is this? I know what this is now. This is Nozer's the wizard Nozer, his marvelous pigment, and he makes it. You can brush an object into being. And it's a pot of paint that allows you to... to it, it's like the paint flows fl- freely from the brush, and you can create a three-dimensional object uh, by painting them in two dimensions. And each pot of paint is sufficient to cover 1,000 square feet of a surface, which lets you create an inanimate object or terrain features such as a door, pit, flowers, trees, cells, rooms, weapons that are up to 10,000 cubic feet. Wowzers! It takes 10 minutes to cover up 100 square feet. When you complete the painting, the terrain or object depicted becomes real, non-magical object, thus painting a door or wall creates an actual... That's pretty awesome. Damn, how much is that, Guster? I'm just going to be drawing anvils from now on. This is... I will give this to you for 200 gold. Wait, seriously? No, 2,000. I'm sorry, I missed the zero on here. Oh, okay. 2,000 gold. I, he has, he's got a set of three pots, though. 2,000 for all three. Oh, hell yeah. I will take that. I don't want to be that guy right now that just holds us up while we're shopping. But I'd still be interested if he has anything like clothing or armor that would suit me. But He has like a refrigerator of holding that he's reaching into. I'm actually pretty interested in the armor. Is that the heavy armor? Yes. Is the acid, is the acid not working for you, Dragon Man? Because I think I may have another set. In. Just whatever you have, I can take a look at. This is either lightning or acid. Which one would you prefer? Probably want to go with lightning. All right, so then he he hands the the armor over to you. He's like, I could give this to you for 5,000. Well, shit, I don't have that much. You can do payment plan. (laughs) (laughs) I offer very good financing, zero down, zero percent APR. I tell you what, dragon soldier, I will give this armor to you if you you owe Guster a favor. I I have needs for soldiering sometimes. As long as it's within reason? Yes, uh, nothing illegal. No killing. Maybe protection, maybe to find something. Uh, sure. That works. You have a lot of obligations now. Just add it to my laundry list. I will give all of you major discount if you allow me uh, room in this ship to stay for good. I will become a part of- I will become one with the ship. Oh, hell yeah, guys, this cat's super sweet. You guys should totally let him do that. Well, if Galley trusts him. Yeah, man, he's got all the great jokes. He's a big cat, and he likes to make jokes about licking his butt. Yeah, if you can live with some dead seagulls, we have a, we have a room for you. Maybe it takes a little bit of cleaning. I hope you do not mind. I have been living in all of your rooms one <laughs> after the other. <laughs> I go lock my door to my room. (laughs) (laughs) Now that everyone is back, I will stay in one spot. Hey, bros, I don't mean to alarm you, but we're getting kind of close to the forest where apparently you guys need to set down or something. Okay, yeah, the ship hovers over uh, an area for a little while until you guys find a good spot to land. There is a road that splits off from the main large road and sort of heads into the forest area. Um, and you can see that it actually follows like a, a path. You can see it from above. Um, and way off in the distance, you can see the, the village of uh, what you would know to be Racknash. 
Uh, and then off to the south from where you are, you can see the city of Aralon. Do you still think we need that disguise now, or do you want to wait on it? I'd say we'll hold off right now. Uh, where are we landing? Like, in the woods or at Racknash? There's a, there's a clearing in the woods. Down there in the clearing, Gally. Okay, guys, you got it! No problem! Gally lands, you get off, you go walking through the forest for a while. Please roll. Who's leading this column? Big ol' lizard. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I guess? Ignis, please make a survival check as you look for signs of these people. Make a perception check as you are walking through the woods. Survival, perception, and uh, nature for me, please. <laughs> well, I know what a tree is, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I love trees. Let's see. With a survival check, 10. You don't see any signs of anything other than, like, you know, oh, that's a fox trail. These are marks on the trees. Uh, with the na- w- Combined with that nature check, you're like, these are marks on the trees made by deers scraping their antlers. Or this is an anthill. Or look, grass. <laughs> you proudly announce all of these to the group. But you're not seeing any immediate signs of travelers moving through here other than the footsteps on the road. Um, and they don't look like anything super fresh. Who's in the back of the, the column? I guess I am. Please make the same set of rolls, Gob. Okay, Jeez. Be funny Watch like a one on nature. 19, 10, 10. <laughs> oh my gosh, nice. Yeah, we make a good team. <laughs> so Gob's seeing like all the good campsites, and um, he sees like all the squirrels in the trees and everything. Um, but then he's like, "Hey, he's like, hey, Ignis, what's that?" And Ignis's like, "That's an anthill, Gob. Of course, <laughs> Gob, you do spot a weird thing in the grass. Something weird is going on with the grass um, to the left-hand side of the road, uh, leading away from the Shrike's Temple. Investigate it." Uh, yeah, with a 13 investigation, you're looking at this, uh, like, this grass is flattened, right? You look pretty closely at it, and it's kind of hard to, kind of hard to see exactly what's going on with it. Um, the grass is definitely flattened in a, in a, it's a, there's a pattern to it. It's consistent. It's a consistent pattern. That's what I'm looking for. I'm going to cast Detect Magic, too. See if something's invisible or something like that. You cast Detect Magic, and you detect... Magic. Uh, some sort of... Well, the best way I can describe it is like it's it's a it glows in a way that you know that radiant um like when you cast a spell that does radiant damage uh it it feels the same as that I don't know if, what you would call that there's like a, a little residual of that on this grass pattern and, and and there's a little spot of it that leads away is it moving with us or is it like stationary no so it looks like with if uh, do you bring anyone else in here to look at this with you well if it's stationary yeah. Uh, like, if I have to leave the path to go investigate, I would tell somebody, like, ask, you know, if anyone else sees sees what I'm seeing. So I think um, Ignis would be able to come over and look at it with his nature check, and he's able to tell you um, that is definitely footprints made by, like, a humanoid creature. And when you point out to him what you're seeing as far as the magical things, he says, well, that sounds like blood droplets. Close my eyes, and through my third eye, I look into the ethereal plane. Do I see anything in there? Roll Arcana for me. Okay, so you look you look through your third eye, that uh, the eye of the displacer beast. You get this like sh- it looks like a shadow of a person of a man who you've met before comes stumbling through, uh, and he's being led, uh, or he's he's next to a horse that is carrying a, an unconscious tiefling and halfling on it with a 
an elf that looks pretty in pretty rough shape, a fighter elf. Um, and this this man is kind of walking next to the horse, and like like this shadow kind of moves that direction. And so, and then Ignis is able to point out to you that there's footsteps of a man. And then once you say that you've seen the horse, he also you know points out the the horse hoof prints. I see the shadow in the ethereal plane, but all the the horse and everything is in the material plane. Everyone else can see that it's, too. Those are those are physical physical representations of their footsteps that you like where their ethereal selves stepped on the grass is where you're seeing the grasses laid down in those patterns so you've wit you've like witnessed an event that happened i'd share this with the party and say maybe we should follow these this trail this might be a lead i think maybe we should follow this this track this way and there's kind of a trail right of the of these steps and blood yeah. Now, and now that you've seen it, yes, it's pretty easy to follow this. Okay, we follow it then. Uh, Ignis is in the lead. I'm guessing. Ignis, roll perception for me. The you guys are kind of walking, and and Ignis is following this trail, uh, but he doesn't look alarmed. So the rest of you don't have any reason to be alarmed. All of the sudden, you hear a voice say, "Who's that?" And then another voice says, "What's going on, Kaiken?" And then another voice says, uh, looks like we have some company. The person we're looking for, are they, um, what race were they? Do we even know? Or do we just know it's Jeffrey? Um, you just know that it's someone named Jeffrey. Although you do recognize that name. Speaking of someone named Jeffrey, you met a butler for the, the Primarch and his name was Jeffrey. Can I do like a history check to see if the people I saw or these people are the same Jeffrey? Or... Yeah, let me, let me describe this scene for you. Um, so now that you have all been alerted to these people, I, you don't really need to make perception checks. After they started talking, you all looked up and realized that you'd, you'd walked into a clearing where there's uh, a group of, of four people. Although, actually, with those with those perception checks, Roran and Korak, you see a fifth person sitting under uh, under a tree um, somewhere back here. There's So there's four people. Uh, one of them is standing kind of in front of you. Looks like maybe he was looking look, like as a lookout. Um, there's another person who had been walking back to a spot where two other people were congregated, uh, standing over an unconscious, um, elven looking man. Um, and all these people other than the elven looking man are dressed really weird. Um, so the guy standing right in front of you, he is wearing neon green clothing and a cape. The woman off to, uh, his right. She's got a lot of books in her pockets. She's also wearing a mask. These two guys back here are, uh, one of them is covered in what looks like tattoos all over, uh, all over her exposed flesh. And then, uh, and then one of them has a, has some like, with, without a cape, has the neon, neon blue clothing. Roran and Korak looking at the guy sitting below the tree. Uh, he is also wearing a mask that is uh, solid black with gold trim and has a strike of red across both of the eyeslits. And he's sitting with a big, large axe across his lap, uh, sitting on a mossy stone. This, this neon clothing, there's no markings, it's just neon. Uh, make an investigation check. Um, Roran, you see symbols of the Shrike Temple on these Oh, guys. okay. This just got easy. All right. Has it been 10 minutes since I cast that Detect Magic spell? And if, if so, am I seeing anything magical over here? I, for, how about for the sake of dramatic flair, that spell ends? Right about the time that you heard the guy exclaim with like, who's this? Uh, and you look up and you don't recognize the magic that is coming off of these people. Um, the guy standing right in front of you, he's like, I said, who's that? Hail and well met, friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure. What are you doing here? 
What's your business? It looks by chance. Did you find our friend Jeff over there? We've been looking for him, if that's him. You mean the fugitive? This is Shrike Temple business. You should leave this alone. What crime did he commit? The crime of espionage, maybe? Trespassing? Ooh, yeah, that's those are some big ones. Look, I get it. You're trying to be a lawful man, but I just dragged my token under the board, so this is happening. And I would, I think actually maybe more say that more in character. I would assume as soon as we recognize Shrike Temple that I would remember Roran wasn't too keen on them, and I would have dropped my weapon. Uh, the woman to the other to your guys has left. Uh, she cocks her head, which is you know behind a mask, and she she kind of giggles. <laughs> Are you sure this is something you want to do? Where is James? Yeah, God, that is totally. Oh no, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Team Shrike it. Shrike. <laughs> Uh, one of the one of the men standing over the unconscious person uh, looks at you and he's like, "Going up against the Shrike Temple Inquisitors is never a good idea, friend." Roran turns to Korak and he's like, "He's kind of right. Don't call me friend, buddy." I I would turn to look. Is does Roran not have his weapon drawn? Uh, I'm holding it, but it's not drawn. I would be like, "Come on, we survived a lich. Let's kill these assholes." And the you hear from the man sitting under the tree. His voice booms out. It seems like maybe magically, but you're not sure. And he's like, Kaiken, kill these men. There we go. We decide. And uh, here we go. All right. Oh, Everybody, roll it. Click on your token. Roll initiative. This is the this is the part where it's always sending Philadelphia's title card cues, and it says Korak gets the party wiped. The guy standing right in front of you is going to pretty much immediately. He's going to cast blight. On who? That's a good question. I think he's going to do it on Korak. Please roll a constitution save for me. Yowza. Alright, you're going to take 31 necrotic damage. Um, So this blast of green energy washes out from his hands um, and hits Korak full on in the face. Then he's going to move back there and that will be it for his turn. Go to Medusa. Going to cast a Eldric blast at the masked figure. That hits. Is that all you want to do? Yeah. Ignis, it's now your turn. Move up 20 feet and use my great axe. Oh my god. <laughs> like slip on something. Something weird happens. This this guy looks like when you're swinging at him, he, he puts his hand up and some weird energy comes out of him. He, uh, your axe wobbles and you thought you were about to miss, but then you actually end up hitting him. Um, so go ahead and roll your damage. Yeah, you hit him for 16 damage. So this person that Medusa just hit... Uh, she cocks her masked face at Medusa, and then, uh, and she says, uh, have a nice trip. And Medusa, I need you to make a charisma saving throw. That does not save. Jesus. It only barely doesn't save, but it does not save. <laughs> Medusa, uh, there's like a fizzle and a pop, and suddenly Medusa is, like, has disappeared. Uh, Medusa, when you, when you go to this place, it... In all of her years, has Medusa ever stuck her head into a bag of holding? No. It's just like a like a black space. Feels it feels kind of familiar to you for some reason, and you're not sure why. Um, but right now you are out, out of, of this, this plane, plane. right? Now. Still, alive. Still alive. I haven't killed you again, Danny. I promise. I guess I'll just start <laughs> playing the harp again. I see how it is, Ace. Your true intentions. Oh, he's coming back to the game. Banishment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then the guy standing behind the woman who just made medusa disappear from existence uh he looks at ignis and ignis i need you to make a wisdom saving throw 
Wisdom, but I'm bad at that. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, ho, 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 ho. I think I just made it. Uh, Ignis, uh, you, you looked over at this man as he was like starting to, to intone some things. Uh, it just looked like he was starting to like warp in a way that maybe would have looked scary, but then whatever this magic was like washed over you, and then he like returned back to normal and, and nothing happens. Uh, Korak, we go to your turn. I'll go ahead and I'll start flying about 10 feet off the air after I move out that far, and I'm going to target uh, the Banishment Bitch. Banishment Bitch. Yeah, that hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, does that ever hit? You putting all, all you were throwing all three of those at her? Yeah, so here's... First one's for 13. So 20 damage total. I'm just trying to break her concentration, because this will also incur a Repelling Blast, so she's going to move back. In fact, I want to knock her into the Actually, that's kind of a weird angle. I think however you want to push her back 10 feet, I'll leave that up to you because I'm kind of hitting here from a weird angle. There's a popping sound as Medusa returns to the plane. Playing my harp. Oh. (laughs) Oh, fuck. It's been less than six seconds. She crashes into the rock. Go ahead and roll a uh, D6 for me. I kind of say, how was your trip? And we move to Gob's turn. So Gob, sporting his fancy new robe and his staff of fire, taps his staff on the ground and when he does... All of a sudden, there's four gobs. It's a Kashmir image. The four spread out, and the real gob kind of goes over by this tree over here. And then my owl Thor flies over to... Is there any one of them wearing metal armor? Or all of them? Well, yeah, the guy sitting in the back there behind you guys in the tree, he's still sitting on the rock. Um, he's definitely got metal armor on, but the rest of them just have metal objects on them. I don't think I could quite reach that guy. Um, owl's flying speed was only like 50, right? Oh, you could reach him. Well, I started over here. The owl, the owl started back here, though. I guess I'll just get this guy like I thought originally. He's gonna land right on his helmet and do shocking grasp through the through the owl. Yep, that hits. Roll damage. We go to this guy's turn. Uh, he's also going to look at Ignis. He's got that big old yeah, that big old axe is going into his buddy, so he's like kind of mad. Um, and Ignis, please make a wisdom. Saving throw. Come on, 18. Okay. Ignis, your eyes cloud over, and then suddenly they turn emerald green. Oh, shit. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn into freaking concentration police over here. Fuck. I move close to Ignis, too. God damn it. Gonna kill me in one hit. And then he scoots back. Roran, we go to your turn. Okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to cast it on whoever is the uh, uh, guy behind the tree. He's not... Has he done anything? No, he, he's still sitting down on the rock. He hasn't, under he hasn't been in initiative. I'm going to cast Harm. I harm you. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> Holy... Jesus. Where was this during the Zenatha fight? <laughs> I wasn't at that level. Ooh. Oh, oh. Oh, is that the roll? Or is that just the ability being displayed? No, that's the roll because he does not have 20 constitution. Half damage? Yes. Um, that guy did not look prepared to take that blast right in the face. That's good news for um, us. He, he, take, he actually takes a step back, giving Ignis the... Uh, no, because Ignis, Ignis doesn't react when this happens. Surprising all of you. <laughs> um... I was trying to throw you a bone there, Steven. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to be it for my turn. Okay. 
Well, that dude who just took a blast to the face from Roran, he's going to get really mad. Giggity. And he's going to look at Roran. Roran, I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. Ah, shit. And he saves it. Okay, well, some green energy passed uh, out of his hand and kind of went towards you, but actually, like, petered out before it even got to you. And I just stare at him unblinkingly. Um, and we're going to go to Medusa, but before we do, uh, the guy, this guy back here, he speaks something, and Ignis is going to turn around. And Ignis is going to walk up to Roran, and he's going to heft his great axe. Does 14 even touch your AC? I think you got, like... Uh, no, it does not. Ignis is going to take a big, massive swipe at you with his great axe, uh, and it misses. And then we're going to move to Medusa, except this guy is going to look up at Korak. Does that a 12 touch your AC? Uh, yeah, 12 for 12. Yeah, 12. Okay. So he throws a, a small firebolt. A small? 23 damage. A large, um, it looks like a, like a fireball from, like, Super Mario Brothers. Flies up into the air to smash into you for 23 damage. By the way, the reason I'm doing all these two, these are, um, cantrips. They're, they're legendary actions that they got. Okay, we are, now we are going to go to Medusa's turn. Just hold on, sorry, he's making a deck saving throw. Sorry, I keep forgetting to run this. This is 21... God damn. Okay, well, he's going to take half then. Was this Hellish Rebuke? Yeah. He fires a Mario fireball at you, and it kind of goes plink off of you, and then you go, <laughs> He goes, <laughs> Now it's Medusa's turn. I'm going to cast an Eldritch Blast at the one who did dominate person. Oh, no. It's the 13 again. Okay, that one should hit. All right, so yeah, you hit him with one. And I guess he can push back um, 10 feet or something. Well, she's already up against a rock. Um, Ignis, you blink your eyes and snap out of this uh, oh, this hold that Dude. was on you. You did it right before Ignis's turn. Too. Yeah. MLG program oh. move. If that's everything you're going to do, Danny? Yeah, that ends my turn. Ignis, it's your turn. Just going to like shake my head like, what the fuck is happening? Why am I over here? I'm just going to turn around and just charge at this guy again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I'm coming back for you, baby! Oh my god. I love it from this guy's angle. He just sees Ignis turn around the green shell. He's like, no, 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 no! I'm assuming 22 hits. Uh, <laughs> you would be assuming correctly. <laughs> yeah, that axe goes right, like, right through his brightly stupidly bright green clothing and like shears the cape off of him uh and his shoulders bleeding pretty bad is that all you want to do yeah yes oh wait no i'm stupid i have extra attack well i guess i'll do it again <laughs> oh my god <laughs> this time it's even better it says i can attack three times can you need an 11th level you can attack yeah. three times Jesus. do it again Aww. yeah that also hits yeah <laughs> All right. I think that's it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Action surge. I'm gonna save that for later. This woman backed up against the rock. She uh, shakes her head after smacking it on the rock and after being pushed back by Korak. I think she's going to look up at Korak and be like, "You son of a bitch, Korak! I need you to make uh-huh. a wisdom saving throw." Oh, great. All right. This fucking spell, really? How, Korak? How high up were you in the air? I was ten feet up. Oh, only ten feet. Okay, so you. All ten feet. You don't take any damage for that. Wait, um, Korak, you are. Uh oh. I'm trying to cast counter spell, but it's not working. Oh, can you do that as a reaction? Counter spell is a reaction, yeah. 
Uh, I one of the other guys is also going to cast counterspell, so now it's time for you and I to make a arcane standoff. Use your spell attack modifier with the d20. I'm just like nervously looking back and forth at these guys from ten feet in the air. <laughs> yeah, come on, you, you motherfucker! Ooh, you motherfucker! You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> Can I give him a point of inspiration? Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> tried. <laughs> he rolled a natural 20, though. She says, you son of a bitch! And then Korak starts laughing, and his wings stop flapping, and he just flops on the ground. Can I try to counterspell his counterspell? <laughs> you absolutely, you can. Roll, Just roll in, in on that contest. Can, can you beat it if you roll a nat 20? Oh. Oh, I didn't even realize that wasn't that no. 20. No. What's your, what's your spell attack modifier? Hang on. I'm sorry. I'm doing. I think I'm doing this wrong. The DC of the spell is equals ten plus the spell's level. Oh. So really? I'm rolling as I'm having us roll it as a contest against the spell attack, which granted was fun, but I think that's wrong. What level did you cast that at, Gob? Uh, level three. If I cast a level three, he could cancel it without any rolling or anything, right? I yeah, I believe so. Even though it was still fun to do 24 and 25. That, that was that was really fun. I kind of like that rule better, but that's all right. Uh, yeah, I think I think I do too. I think it, uh, maybe for this group, we'll uh, we'll roll that way. That seemed to work really nicely. Okay, uh, with that, uh, the guy who was attacked by the the owl is going to look over at Korak, laughing on the ground. Uh, I need you to make a Constitution saving throw. Actually, so does Roran and Medusa. It's better not. Uh, Damn, these guys got their wisdom or their charisma at twenty. Okay, so all you guys are going to take 17 poison damage. Owie. And we're going to move to Korak. Uh, please make that wisdom saving throw again. At the end of each of its turns, each time it... And each... Ooh, each time it takes damage. The target. Okay, so you can go ahead and re-roll that at the end of uh, that damage right there before you even start your turn. Ah, fuck me. Hey, just in time to miss my turn. Alright. Cool. It's cool. I don't mind. Wait, what do you mean? That saves? Yeah, but that my turn's over. Well, so the first one would have been after you took damage from the cloud kill, right? You, you failed. But now, oh, I see. You're still missing. You're, you break out of the laughter. You stop laughing, but uh, I see I, what I, you're saying. You I always thought when you succeed. It's like, yeah, you succeeded, but it turns over. All right, Gob, it's your turn now. All right, cool. Gob is going to keep moving over a little bit more just so that these guys are in a nice straight line. And I'm going to cast uh, Chain Lightning five feet away from Jeffrey on the ground, but enough so to get all three of these guys. No, sorry, not Chain Lightning, but Lightning Bolt. And they need to make dex dexterity save. The third one will take half. Oh, wait. The, <laughs> my spell save DC is 16. So I guess the first one, does that pass or fail? The first one, third one. The yeah, if it matches, it, it passes. Uh, the dude standing right there, uh, his hair's all on end. And, like, his cloak is starting to singe a little bit. Um, and he looks really, he looks pretty bad. In that case, Thor's going to circle back to him. Still sparks springing between his talons. Land right on his helmet with do another shocking grasp on him. Wow. That hits. He looks really bad. <laughs> he looks really, really bad now. Okay. Well, Thor's going to just kind of come over to this empty space, and that will be hit for a turn. All 
Alright, the, the guy in the way back. He's gonna look at the dude who's just taken so much lightning damage and then been attacked by a lightning owl, and he's gonna be like, Skellia! And then, uh, and then he, um. Gob, I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. Okay, that does not save. I'm gonna use a point of inspiration and redo that. I don't like that one. I also had a question that the robe I have says plus one to ability rolls. Or plus one to, sorry, plus one to saving throws, which that would be a saving throw, right? 20 or 21, I guess. Probably both save. Yeah, uh, yes. Roran, it's your turn. Okay, I would like to take my staff, do some great uh, aerodynamic spins with it, and I would like, at the exact point where this person is standing, I would like to cast Flame Strike. Uh, what's the, is there a radius on that? It is 10 feet. Okay, so both of those people are going to have to make, okay, so the, the person in the pink robe makes the save. The dude who is, like, electricity struck does not. So tell me what happens to the dude who's uh, electrified. Is it, this is his dying breath? Uh, the pillar of flame hits, uh, her directly, even though, she, or, you know, aims for her directly, but she saves. However, for him, he doesn't see it happening till the last minute. And uh, just the pillar of flame hits it so that he, uh, <laughs> one second is like just uh, staring at her. And then um, uh, the next second, he's a uh, charred bones and armor. <laughs> it's just like cartoonishly suspended in midair and then suddenly all crumbles and falls exactly. to the ground. Exactly. Okie doke. Um, okay, so there is a brilliant blast. Of white light. Um, everybody except for Gob needs to make a dexterity saving throw. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, oh no. Mm. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. These motherfuckers are going to plus two. <laughs> Fuck you, roll 20. Okay, everybody who rolled uh, 17, uh, or excuse me, under a 17 is going to take full damage. So uh, what I mean to say is everybody's going to take full damage except for... The rest of the bad guys. So there's this brilliant f flash of white light, uh, and everyone gets struck by something. It feels like something has fallen out of the sky um, and crashed into the unconscious man. Um, and also, everyone needs to take a five-foot step backwards without incurring any attacks of opportunity from the from this directly from that man, even including the people who saved. Two d ten plus three. Uh, that's radiant damage. I don't think any of you have uh, weakness to that. But when you look at that man, <laughs> he's now he's now standing upright in the spot where he was. Uh, his skin is glowing with the white energy. Uh, you definitely recognize this guy now. He's definitely the dude who uh, hit on Tali Voss in the bar before you guys went to fight Zanatha. Is that Channing Tatum? My name is Jeff. I got seven points of damage for this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it's his turn. Take her away, Chris. And I cast that in this back corner back here. So I believe all three of those guys have to make a... Go, Jeff. Okay, so only the one guy takes half damage. And I'm going to use my quicken spell so I can take a bonus. Or I can cast it again for a uh, bonus action. So go ahead and make those spell saves again. And that will be that. So did one guy die? Um, one one person totally disintegrated after that first fireball, and Jeff was just like, Ugh! and like cast another one, and then uh, uh, the one dude in the in the heavy armor, 
he looks mostly fine. Uh, but the the other dude way there back there in the corner, he's like, man, he looks bad. What does this dude look like besides Chatting Tatum? I don't know if he was under disguised or whatnot, but he's not elvish, so I don't know. Oh, I couldn't remember. I I just thought that that's how he kind of looked was elvish. I if I have that wrong, feel definitely correct me on that. More angelic. Oh, okay. Uh, Medusa, it's now your turn. I want to send uh, three eldritch blasts at that pink lady. Okay, you hit her. You hit her with two of them, and one of those is going to do double its damage. Oh, and I forgot. Um, I have like some feature that I get to add my charisma modifier to the damage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Definitely. So that's, that's a warlock plus thing. Five with the nat twenty one, I guess. How is she looking? Uh, and does also... she smack back into the boulder? Yeah. Do you mind if I wreck on her position just a little bit so I'm not like right on the edge of the map anymore? <laughs> um, we'll say she hits right there. And uh, roll another d6 for me as she smacks against that boulder. Uh, yeah, she definitely cracks her head and... Wait, for each blast does it send her smacking her head against the boulder no i'm only gonna do that once just because you can only move her 10 feet back once she does not lose her footing and she does not pass out from hitting her head so many times and with that that'll end my turn ignus brick and mortar lizard shit house 25 feet over to this guy who controlled me that son of a bitch i'm just gonna swing my axe at him man so close that thing goes right, it, it shaves right past his head. It takes a couple hairs off. Okay. There we go. Man, how do you kill this man? Just cut his head clean off. Clean sweep. He, you run up to him and like you, your axe goes down uh, and shaves a couple hairs off, singed hairs off of his head. And then when you miss, you turn it into like a spinning thing where you spin back around and go and just take his head right off. You still have five feet of movement, right? Uh, yes. You and could still attack. reach. You still could reach that other guy if you wanted to. I can do that with a third attack. Yeah, you have three attacks, right? That's what that card said earlier. Okay. We'll go, then I guess I'll attack this dude. Seventeen. He's an armor, right? Yeah, but that hits. He he takes that he takes that hit from you, and he's like, "All right, enough is enough." Um. Okay, so he's just gonna rear up and. Attack Ignis with his great axe. Oh, Jesus Christ. And. Wrathful Smite. I need you to make a wisdom save. That does not save. So you're going to take 17 damage. Um, We're going to move to this lady's turn up against a rock. She's also going to look at Ignis and move up on him. So she's going to pull 19 health out of you. Or rather, she pulls 19 health from you and she's only going to receive 10 of it. Um, but you can see her shoulders relax a little bit and the bloody uh, egg on the back of her head where she's been hitting it against the rock a bunch uh, sort of goes down. And Korak, it's your turn. I'm going to cast Inversion. Well, she's taking that, I guess. This motherfucker, the only guy that wasn't that 20. God, God damn. I'm still <laughs> making a dice beam tonight, Jesus. All these guys have plus two on decks and they're just making these nat 20s all night long. So I'm going to, yeah, it's just nine damage then, but um, I'm going to absorb that as healing juice. <laughs> you just, you just retroactively took health from Ignis. Yeah, it's. I wanted to take this <laughs> health from her. 
tastes a little lizardy. I'm like, that's not what I was aiming for. But you know, okay, that number is a little more comfortable to be sitting at with health. Yeah, that's all I'm going to be able to do. Uh, before we go to Gob's turn, this guy is going to attack uh, Ignis twice, and it is a smiting multi-attack, man. So you're going to add six on top of that. And now it's Gob's turn. I'm going to send Thor out in front of me with his talent still crispy and shocking to get the, the lady there. And how's she looking after that? Not good, Randy. Not good. She definitely looks uh, at nearing the end of her rope. I'm going to cast a cantrip. Toll the dead. She hears a bell ring out over her head. Like um, Aaron, my DC save is 16 though, not 12. Ooh, there we go. We got a lot of necrotic shit in this party now. I love it. Okay, how does she, how does she die? What does this look like when she dies? That's a good question. Um, so God will make kind of the motion of a bell, you know, tolling the bell. As she does, she hears this booming bell, and it just slowly disintegrates her from the top down. Oh, hell yeah. I don't feel so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Stark. And then everyone else kind of hears a faint ringing as she finally dies. All right, before we go to Roran, this guy is going to pick up his axe again and swing at Ignis. And the whole time he's, he's by the way, he's laughing. He's got a mask on, and you can't see his face, but he's been laughing this whole time gleefully laughing just <laughs> yeah, this dude this dude has some serious jesus this guy has some serious legendary action for 25 damage and uh, as he swings the the axe down on that last one um he shouts uh cork will have the final conflict oh fuck this guy and we're gonna move to <laughs> roran's turn okay for everybody looking bad uh Everybody on my team, I guess, including Jeff. Wait, so yeah, that's... Two, two or four. <laughs> Wait, what happened there? Dude, fuck <laughs> these spell cards tonight. What is roll 20 on? You're not rolling minimum healing. Roll, re-roll that, please. Okay, so it's six plus five. Yeah. Because that six is the base, but then he did a higher level cast, which adds the five right. to it. Thank you. And then just as a bonus action, I want to get my uh, hand crossbow ready. Jeff. <laughs> Wow. Are you literally biting his eyes? Because that's amazing. Listen, saving throw be affected by one of the following effects. Oh, sweet. It's one of those freaking curse spells, basically. The 19 wisdom save. I'm gonna, going to use my bonus action. He has plus 12 wisdom? Yeah, he's yeah, a paladin. paladin that's crazy. out on wisdom. Reroll that, that d8. Did you seriously roll a two after rolling a one? He's still looking pretty good. His armor is like smoldering a little bit since he's taken a bunch of fire spells. Um, but he's still looking pretty good. And he's still laughing maniacally. I think it's time we start using those high level spell slots and finish this. I really I really want to kill this asshole, but... Potion of healing. Potion of healing would be 2d4. Greater healing is 4d4. Okay, add four more d4 and then... Additional plus four. All right, he's going to laugh, and he's going to run forward. He's going to attack Roran. Uh, make a wisdom saving throw, I guess. Do those both hit you? What's your AC? Uh, my AC is 17, so yes, they both hit. And you do save the wisdom save, so you do not have the fear modifier. Um, I will actually react with my you know, physical quarterstaff hit. He laughs as you whiff over his head. Uh, Korak, it's now your turn. Okay, so the pain. 
it says the object can't be worth more than 25 gold, right? It, it takes 10 minutes to cover 100 square feet. I, I think as long as it's smaller than a square foot, you could do it in an action. Okay, so it would be an action. I'm trying to figure out, like, if I drew something like, say, for example, an anvil. Like, how is that going to work with weight properties on it if it's all, if it's not worth more than 25 gold? Like, this is going to be a lot of hair splitting to figure this out. Well, I don't think an anvil would be 25 gold. That's a really expensive anvil. So, yeah, I think you could you could make a fairly heavy anvil. Are you going to, like, fly up and try to drop it on his head? Could I draw as a bonus action, or does it have to be an action? Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be an action, because that's, that's going to take quite a bit of your concentration to do. Can I ask you a theoretical question? <laughs> okay. What if I drop something from 500 feet in the air? What kind, is that going to be a roll to hit, or how is that going to work? I don't know. Because if, okay, 500 feet, if it's falling at a rate of, there's, okay, there would be calculations for that. Because he would he would effectively have time to move if he saw what you were doing. If he saw what I was doing. That could be very fun. Is that what you want to do? I really, I really want to do it. I also don't want to kill Roar, and I also don't want to waste the party's time. I think I'm just going to go for broke, though, because at this point, my spells are just helping me and no one else. And if I do this, it's actually going to get me out of the fray. Do this. Okay, if what you're are you gonna cast a, a spell to get yourself 500 feet in the air? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna let you do the drawing as a bonus action. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> okay, I look 500 feet above this asshole's head and cast Dimension Door. And teleport yourself from your current location to any spot within range. Uh, I guess it's not quite 500 feet above his head then, but with this, with the marvelous pigments the best of my ability within the bonus action i want to draw an anvil that has a considerable amount of weight just drawing like a giant full square of metal yeah my my just maybe solid maybe i'll just like look over to that rock on the scenery and just visualize that as i draw i just want to draw a boulder it says acme on it oh my god and i'm just gonna drop this thing okay Oh my gosh, I found someone who did the math for me. Oh god. It's going to it's going to take one full round for this thing to fall. Oh god damn it. So as long as this fall takes less than six seconds, it'll happen in this action. And he doesn't move on his turn, yeah. I'll stay here and distract him. Did Korak tell everybody what he was doing? Telepathically? I do have some options with that. If it happens within six seconds, we can't do anything anyways right because we're already doing our turn at that same time as it's falling we're taking our actions i mean it's do like all these attacks land at the end of the round i mean it, in the meta they do but we still take damage as the initiative goes you know yeah it is it is a little wonky like that basically korak by the time it reaches your turn next if he's still in that same spot it's going to hit him. Because generally speaking, these things like this, like spells that say they last for one round, they usually end on the, the at the end of the turn of the caster. Like it says, like ends by the, the end of your next turn or something like that. All right, let's go to my turn. Okay. Um, before we go to your turn. <laughs> he's going to move. <laughs> I don't even think he's noticed that Korak is gone. It will cost Roran's life, but that's a risk I'm willing to take. One of them doesn't hit because Roran's got an AC of 17. Okay, so he does 10 damage to you. Okay, it is got it is Gob's turn now. I'm gonna do the same thing with Thor again. With the shocking grasp. He is wearing uh, metal armor, right? Yes. So if the target's wearing armor made of metal, 
you have advantage. So yeah, then Gob cast Mental Prison on him. So Mental <laughs> Prison. He makes oh, it an intelligence. If I read it right, intelligence save. Gotta say, intelligence, not this guy's best trait. Or saving throws, Watch, rather. still is. Nat 20 Sam here. <laughs> yeah, let's see, yeah, let's see the roll here, buddy. Yeah, that's oh, what I yeah. thought. So yeah, on a successful save, he takes that 25. That's there. He's starting to look a little rough. There's some, uh, his armor's starting to dent, and it's got, like, burn marks on it. And uh, we're going to move to Roran, except... God, I didn't have a look. You didn't have this matrix. It's a, it's a multi-attack legendary action so i take 12 so you're gonna take 12 uh slashing damage i'm gonna do this and cast spirit guardians around me oh is it christopher lee again no so these will be just like fairies do they look like tiny yes, christopher, they're tiny christopher <laughs> lee's with little wings yes he needs to make a wisdom saving throw well, i'm sure that's not plus 10 oh it's plus 12 i don't think he no, saved I, I have a spell save of 15 on a failed save, the creature takes 3d8 radiant damage. On a successful save, the creature takes half as much damage. There we go to Ojev. So you need to make a strength save against my spell safety. So what are you what are you doing right there? You're are you trying to like I was going to lift you up in the air so I could cast fireball and not affect everybody, and then also you'd fall, and then then the anvil would fall on top of you. I'll just cast wall fire. Nice. Okay, so he's going to take 22 damage. He's definitely starting to look really bad now. His armor is almost completely blackened by all the fire and electricity damages he's taken. So is this guy bloodied yet? Oh, yeah. Like, definitely. He's definitely, like... He's been looking rough for mm, the last six seconds now, I guess? Pretty much since Korak disappeared, he started to... His armor's been uh, kind of wearing out. And he's, his movements are slowing. Like, he's still got a lot of strength behind his swings when he was swinging at Ror, uh, Roran. But, yeah, he's de you can definitely tell he's got a toll taken on him. We're back to this guy. Please make a wisdom save, Roran. Ah. Okay, so you're going to take 33 damage. And 18 of it is psychic damage. Staggering smite. Target must make a wisdom saving throw on a failed save. Has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. And can't take reactions until the end of its next turn. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. Then he's going to throw his axe down and then he's going to pull his gauntlets off and he's going to grab you. Please make a <gasps> uh, athletics check. Wait, athletics? Yeah, do you owe this dude money or I something? I stood in the middle of this field. That was my first mistake. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Die here soon. Roll 20 is just on fire tonight. Okay, so he he grabs you. And instead of moving out of his spot, he's actually pulling you into <laughs> his spot. Ooh. <laughs> And then he rips his helmet off while he's got a hold of you. Uh, and you're looking at... Oh, God damn it. Look at Discord. God I'm damn it. At what? It's a bad time to I'm cut sorry. out Ace. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I have a really bad habit of releasing my key. Because I, I say the word and I release the key, but Discord decides to cut it short. I promise I'm not doing this. <laughs> it just didn't get <laughs> I did that one on purpose. <laughs> I have to tell you, I've been doing nothing but fucking VPNs and teleconference this week, so when your voice has been cutting off, I've been getting so much PTSD from work this week. It's like getting under my skin. He grabs you, and he rips his helmet off. You're looking into the face of Arden. <laughs> he smiles at you, and then he laughs, and he's like, you can't stop the conflict, Roran. And I want you to make a dexterity saving throw. <laughs> 
Yeah, there we go. Get the fuck out you, of there. You lean back as he goes in for a head bash, and then out of nowhere he releases your grip and you hear a very loud crunching sound. And when you recover yourself, you look, and his uh, his head is totally smashed in, and his armor is caved in quite a bit as a giant anvil has fallen on top of him. Woo! Long game, motherfuckers, even though Roran almost died. Yeah, that was a good one. I was, like, under 10 health, like, more than twice. I have one, I have one last quick... I promise it's quick. If you guys are up for it, I know it's very late. Um, everyone roll perception. Actually, no, I don't, don't even roll perception. I'm not going to make you do that. Uh, over by the rocks, you see a gleaming sword. <laughs> On an instant. <laughs> What's it? What's this? Looking at that sword, Roran, make a arcana check. Um, all I'm going to say is that sword feels like justice. Well, Roran's going to be in shock for a couple seconds. And I pick up the sword. Roran's very silent ignoring everybody yeah basically this you pick up the sword and it feels as though there's something that feels right about it for you especially having just seen the face of arden and holding this sword you you feel like um now that you're this close to your home again maybe you're not in over your head like you've believed for so long and i think uh, i think that's where we'll end for tonight um finally at 1 30 a.m can i pick up that guy's helmet and gauntlets yeah, the you, the helmet and gauntlets are still there. Thank you guys for sticking it out. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Yeah, I was I was anxious to play, so thanks for staying up late. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks everybody.